0: very faithful to our church when he wasn't in the sunny climb of Florida. And every Sunday morning, I, I would see Mr. Oscar come in, and uh, those were some particularly rough days in football for sure. And, uh, you know, Oscar would come in, and he'd have a long face, and, and we'd chat about things a little bit, and I'd finally say, Brother, we need to go and and repent, for bringing this into the house of God, number one, Uh, but also we need to ask the Lord to prepare our hearts for better things. And the bottom line is, what we do here is much better than anything else we do in all of life. Nothing is more like heaven to come than when the people of God come together and lift up praises to the Lord Jesus, even when that praise Uh, stirs our hearts to the place of deep emotions. You know, some people talk much about uh, distinguishing between, you know, intellect and emotions and those things when it comes to worship. But let me tell you something. A God who is not worthy of becoming emotional about is a God who is not worthy of worship. Now, emotions do not drive us because emotions can come from all different places. But I'm telling you, when God is active, and we know He is, and when His Holy Spirit is moving in our hearts and lives, we ought to let it out. And so thank you, brothers and sisters, for letting out uh, your feelings for God this morning as we've come to worship Him in spirit and in truth Last Sunday we started a journey through a beautiful word picture about the church in Acts chapter 2. I would encourage you if you have a copy of God's Word to open it up there, Acts chapter 2. We will go back to verse 41 and read it down through verse 47 just like we did last week because I want you to see this full picture in its context as I've told you before. We're so thankful for word pictures in the Bible. We're thankful for those narrative passages that just beautifully and accurately describes some event that happened in the life of Christ or in the life of His church. When you think about His church, there's no more poignant word picture than the one that we find right here in Acts chapter 2 because really in vivid details, the writer Luke shows us just exactly what that New Testament church looked like when it was first born. Remember what we talked about last week, when you consider the Jerusalem church, it's the first generation form of the church. And thank you so much for not Reporting me to legal authorities because I shared with you last week how back in the 80s we used to dub tapes, and we got down to the point when you created a dub of a dub, you began to lose fidelity in the sound of the music. And often that's happened in the body of the church over these two millennia. We get removed often from our original purposes. And brothers and sisters, when we remove ourselves from the biblical purposes of the church, we begin to lose fidelity. And so that's why over these weeks, as we've charted a course into 2024, we're going to look at several passages in the New Testament regarding the body life of the New Testament church. And here ought to be our desire as Bible Baptist Church, our premier desire ought to be no more or no less than being a biblical New Testament church. So, we want to look deeply at these purposes. We want to process them. We want God the Holy Spirit to stir our hearts and our intellect so that We make the decision as a body of Christ that we will be a purposeful church. And not a purposeful church based on any of our personal desires, but we'll be a purposeful church based on what Scripture describes that we should be. We're going to do a little exercise. So there's going to be a test. Are you okay with that? There will be a test. So next week, when you come in, there's going to be a confidential survey. Everybody will have a copy of it, and it's going to ask you some probing personal questions. You don't sign it. It will remain confidential. But it's going to ask you some questions about each of these six purposes of the New Testament church. Do you want me to help you? Well, I need you to help me help you. So I'm going to ask you next week to take one of these surveys home with you. It's very easy to do. You don't have to write full sentences or, or uh, answer a blank or even do anything like that that you've done on tests before. But it's going to ask you a series of do you questions. And so each of these six purposes that we started talking about last week and we'll finish up this morning, each of these six purposes are going to be reflected on that survey. And then you're going to bring it back in, we're going to analyze it, and we're going to talk about it. Is that okay? We're going to do it anyway. We're going to talk about it uh, because I want us to see where we stand as Bible Baptist Church in regard to these purposes here in Acts chapter 6. So that's the invitation. Now hopefully the invitation will expand in a few moments and we'll talk about what that looks like. But my basic invitation regarding last week and this week, I want you to respond to it next week when you come in and you take home one of these surveys and then you bring it back. How many of you will do that for me? Some of you aren't raising your hands, and I have duly noted. The purposes of the church. Let's read the passage together. Acts chapter 2, verse 41. We'll read down through verse 47. Remember what sets this up. God the Holy Spirit was promised, and God the Holy Spirit was delivered. And so on the day of Pentecost, when Peter was full of God the Holy Spirit... He steps out into the crowded streets of Jerusalem and He preaches the stars down. He literally does. He gives an invitation and 3,000 people were saved. And together they formed the Jerusalem church, which again is the very first generation church. And verse 47, that church is explained. We see it here. Then those who gladly received His word... "...were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all these things in common." and sold their possessions and goods, and divided them among all as any had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And I love the last sentence of the passage. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. As I shared with you last week, this is an evangelism sandwich. It begins with evangelism. Peter preaches, 3,000 people respond. There's the church. And then at the end of the description, the Bible says that the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. We don't have time for me to go back to those first three and thoroughly re-preach those But let me just remind you what I said very quickly last week, that of these six purposes, each of them, the next five, hinge on evangelism. In other words, if we are not reaching out to the community and the area and sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, and people aren't responding to the Lord, nobody's getting saved And so that's where it begins. If no one is getting saved, if no one is being baptized, then there aren't people to disciple. There aren't people to meld into the fellowship. There aren't people to do the other three purposes that we'll discuss this morning. So it begins with evangelism. Say that with me. It begins with evangelism. Here we go. It begins with evangelism. And so we want to process some very basic questions. Am I praying for lost people by name? Am I putting feet to that prayer? Am I personally sharing the gospel with the people who are around me? Am I mindful of my lifestyle? Because if we're not living our faith, we lose our opportunity to be the witness that God wants us to be. So it begins with evangelism. Purpose number two, again, is discipleship. The Bible says that they continued steadfastly. Notice that word. That's a good adverb, isn't it? They continued. How did they continue? Steadfastly. So it was important to them. It was a big deal to them that they stayed near the apostles so that they could participate In the apostles' doctrine, of course, the apostles' doctrine, according to Jude, was the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. It had to look very differently back then than it looks for you and me today. We're blessed that we have a Bible. We're blessed that we live on the other side of the New Testament coming together. We're blessed. Do you know that you're blessed to have your Bible in your hand this morning? You're blessed to read it on the screen. You're blessed to have it on your phone. You're blessed to have immediate access to the Word of God. These people 2,000 years ago in Jerusalem did not have that. What they did have, however, were these men who were apostles. And so Scripture describes scribes here, Luke says that steadfastly they availed themselves to the apostles' doctrine. So while they couldn't read Scripture like you and I can, they could listen to it as the apostles would preach it and teach it and help them apply it. It's a beautiful thing when you think about it. Their church did not look like Bible Baptist Church. The Jerusalem church didn't have a facility like this. I mean, think about it. They were a church that was what we would call today a mega church. Hundreds and thousands even of members. There there was no place where they could all come together like you and I are experiencing this morning. And so these apostles were going from home to home with small clusters of people On an everyday basis, they had to do that. They couldn't just come together on a Sunday like you and I have the privilege of doing. These apostles were going out and meeting with small clusters of the church family and they were teaching them how to be true disciples. And beloved, we know that this morning. Being a disciple means that we are a devoted follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so they were becoming disciplined as they were taking in the apostles' doctrine. Last week, we also looked at number three, fellowship. They continued, again, part of that same flow of speech. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, but also in the fellowship of the church. There's a beautiful description of that fellowship in verse 46. They continued daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. They fellowshiped together. And So last week I I told you that the word fellowship is the English translation of the Greek word koinonia, And the very basis of that word is the word coin that talks about what we have in common. Miss Carey gave me a quarter, and I still have that quarter. And so I've, I've got 25 cents. You know, somebody once said that he was so poor that he didn't have two nickels to rub together. I may not have two nickels to rub together, but I've got a quarter. I've got 25 cents, which is common currency. It's 25 cents to me, and if I gave you my quarter, which I'm not, it would be 25 cents to you. It's what we have in common. We have so much in common through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as intense as anything on planet earth should be, Our fellowship, our body life together as brothers and sisters in Christ ought to be so intense. And may I just brag on you just a moment in in these months that I've been serving with you. I see that in so many ways. This is a beautiful picture of fellowship. So thank you for being who you are. But let me just tell you. As the days continue, please know this. This is bad news, but I've got to tell you. As the days continue, in American culture, we are becoming more and more secular. It's just happening. It's happening everywhere around us. And I promise you, the days are coming when the thing that's going to get you through walking through this culture and navigating this darkness outside of the Word of God and the leadership of the Holy Spirit Himself is going to be the fellowship of the church. So it's important, my friend, that this fellowship is fostered, that it's enjoyed, that it's deepened, and that we bring other people into it. Do you believe this? Do you believe that other people In this part of our state, need the fellowship of Bible Baptist Church. I believe that, and that goes back to evangelism and bringing them in. All right, that was last week. This is this week. Purpose number four is prayer. Now I will tell you if you were to do a little bit of research among the authors in Christian life that talk about church purposes. Some of them would leave off prayer, and I think that's not accurate. I think one of the definite purposes of the church is to come together and pray. I wish I had time this morning, but if we had the time, I could show you episode after episode from the book of Acts when God came down and God did something in a fascinating and a miraculous way only when the people of God prayed together. So prayer ought to be so important to us and it should express itself formally and informally. We ought to formally Pray together, and I hope you understand that. When somebody in a worship service here at Bible Baptist Church prays out loud what that person is doing, he is not putting on a show for you. He's not interested in the eloquence of his language. It's not about that. But that person is leading us in prayer. That's why we use that vocabulary, so and so. Would you lead us in prayer? And some people get concerned about how they voice themselves. May I say to you today that God has no concern about the eloquence you use when you pray to Him. God's not concerned about that. I know we probably have a grammar Nazi or two here at Bible Baptist Church. I appreciate good grammar. Don't always use it, but I appreciate it. And I try to use good grammar and those kinds of things because I think it's important in your communication that you do it as clearly as you can. But God's not interested in our grammar. God's not interested in our vocabulary. God is interested in our hearts connecting to His heart. And I say all that simply to say this, When somebody in our congregation prays, he or she is leading us in prayer. They are not putting on a show. And as that person leads us in prayer, we need to be praying more than we're listening to that person. We need to be praying from our hearts. That person may be expressing our hearts because that's part of the fellowship. What's important to you is important to you and important to you and it's important to me. So often, the person leading us in prayer is expressing our corporate heart to the Lord and sometimes we listen to that and in prayer we just agree with that person who is leading us. But the bottom line is prayer is not incidental to the life of the church But prayer is fundamental to the life of the church. And so we pray together formally. And here's one one thing I would love to see. When we walk into this building together, whether it's on a Sunday or a Wednesday or a Saturday night for a fellowship event, whatever that is, we ought to see brothers and sisters praying together informally. You know, you ought to be able to see two brothers in Christ. And I'm as bad as any of you about wanting to talk about the cats. But more than we do that, if there's a need, we ought to be in prayer about that need. So let me just encourage you to do that. Wouldn't that be a great testimony for a a guest to come into the fellowship and into the facilities of Bible Baptist Church and see brothers and sisters in Christ in the hallways praying together. Prayer is important. In the Jerusalem church, the Bible says they continued steadfastly in prayer. Don't, again, lose sight of that adjective. Steadfastly. They continued in prayer. It was important to them. And they prayed. I've told you before, and I'll say it very quickly because I do think it bears repeating in this context, I do not understand everything there is to understand about prayer. And frankly, I don't think anybody does. Because we know a God who is a sovereign God We know that God has a plan, according to Scripture, that will not be thwarted. I do not believe for one moment when we pray together that we change the mind of God. The Bible says that God does not change. About the Lord Jesus Christ, the New Testament says, there is no shadow that is caused by His turning. God doesn't change. Hebrews says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and how long, church? Forever. We don't change the mind of God, but I believe what happens when we pray is that more than anything else, God changes us. And then there's a mystery there. Frankly, that I cannot explain to you that I do not have the capacity to understand, but by faith I believe it, and by faith I know it, things happen in a beautiful way in our lives when we pray together. And in all my years of working with New Testament churches and consulting those churches, what I've found out over and over again... Churches that that are seeing unusual momentum and unusual growth and unusual evangelism and discipleship, make no mistake about it, those are churches that prioritize prayer. So prayer is not incidental to the description here. Scripture says they continued steadfastly in it. So number four, prayer. Prayer. Number five, ministry. Look at the description here, verses 44 and 45. Now all who believed were together. Say that word with me, together. One more time, here we go. Together, they were together. They had all things in common, which again refers to their fellowship. But watch how intense their fellowship was. According to verse 45, they sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone who or anyone had need. Some of you might read that and scratch your head and you might say, well, that sounds like communism. Well, it's not communism, it's fellowship. And remember this, anytime you study scripture, one of the goals of your study ought to be a uh, a desire to Uh, understand the context. And so what's the context here? The context is the Jerusalem church. The context is you had all of these thousands of people from all over the world, Jewish people, who had come together and met together in Jerusalem for the celebration of Pentecost, And they intended to be there through the celebration and then they intended to get on their camels or their ships or whatever else they uh, used as a method of transportation and then to go back home. But God had another plan. They came to Jerusalem and got saved. Getting a good old-fashioned dose of salvation changes your plans. And so all of a sudden... Here you you have this big group of people. They were in Jerusalem for a prolonged period of time. They didn't know that they would be. And so out of the intensity of their fellowship, they had to minister to one another. They had to do things like Barnabas did. You know, the book of Acts here describes that Barnabas, the son of encouragement owned a piece of land. He went out and he sold that piece of land and he just brought it in and the church used it to meet the needs within the church. A purpose of the church, make no mistake about it, is ministry. But may I tell you that often these days that purpose of the church is misunderstood. I want to be as kind as I can be But as biblically accurate as I can be for just a moment this morning, God never intended for a local church to be abused. All right? You can read all the New Testament, and in most cases, not all cases, but in most cases, when the New Testament describes that the church did some type of benevolence ministry, It was for those who were members of the church. In fact, James wrote, and he says, that's how we express our religion. True religion is taking care of brothers and sisters in Christ. He said that if you have a brother and sister, and he uses that exact language, and that brother and sister comes into your fellowship, and and they demonstrate a need... Don't walk away and say, okay, do your best to find that need met somewhere. But James said, true religion compels us as the body of Christ to meet that need. Here's what I mean. There should be no member of Bible Baptist Church that we ought not minister to when they have a need. And furthermore, The Bible compels us to take care of widows and orphans and there's people out in our community and when we have the resources to do so, we ought to minister to them. We ought to try to meet that need as best we can. But there was a book written several years ago that's very important. The title of it was, When Helping Hurts. And sometimes... A church can try to help to the level that rather than ultimately helping that person or that family, honestly, they're hurting that person or that family. You know, it's like the old uh, adage it's a lot better to teach someone to fish than to give him a fish. Y'all hear what I'm saying? so you can get to a level in benevolence and community ministry that rather than helping people you're actually hurting them i'm not talking about letting somebody starve i'm not talking about letting somebody be cold please hear my heart this morning you know if we can meet any of those needs we ought to some of the great churches in today's world do things like have have warming centers when it's so cold outside and feeding ministries, and clothing ministries. I'm all for that. And so we we should minister. But always remember this. The same New Testament that tells us to do those things is the same New Testament that says, if a man doesn't work, a man doesn't eat. Ministry is a purpose of the church. We're to minister to one another primarily. But we're also to minister to the community. We're to minister to the world. Uh, we've, We've talked about that this morning through OCC. That's part of missions and ministry. And we thank God that we can participate. But it is not to be abused. Number five, ministry. Last of all, number six, worship. This is the one we've all been waiting for. It's like playing This Little Piggy. I had a good friend that taught me this many, many years ago. He he would play with the kids This Little Piggy. You know, This Little Piggy went to market, This Little Piggy. And then when he got down to the pinky, right before he grabbed the pinky, he would always say, And this little piggy, the one we all know and love, <laughs> the one we've been waiting on, this little piggy, we, we, we all the way home. What does that mean anyway? Here's the purpose, here's the purpose that we've been waiting on without question. A church has the intention, the biblical intention prescribed upon it to be a body of worship. Look at what it looked like in the Jerusalem church. So continuing daily with one accord. The Bible says in verse 45, they were praising God and having favor with all the people. There's a connotation there. There is a connection. You know, having favor with all the people is not to be disassociated from the church's purpose of worship. As we worship as we extol the greatness and the glory of God, as we lift our voices in praise, as we worship, when you do it authentically, people will see it, people will know it, and you'll have favor with those people. There's an authenticity there. May I say say to you this morning that the younger generations that we've got to reach... For those of us that are 40-something and beyond, we've got to look beyond ourselves. We're here! But I'm telling you, there is a young generation of people that are not here, and the fact is, they aren't anywhere near God right now. And what they're looking for in the church more than anything else is authenticity. They want to see that these people really are who they say they are. And one way that we demonstrate our hearts for the Lord is when we come together and we just don't hold anything in reserve. I'll go back to what I said at the beginning of the service. Probably wouldn't hurt us to have some shouting Baptists again. Hey, if we can go up the road and act like a fool when something happens in a football field or in a basketball gym, if we can holler and snort and clap and do all kinds of things that we would never otherwise do, why can we not let our hearts out when we come and we praise the one true God who is worthy of all of our worship? Why can we not? The Bible says, these people praised God. Lifting your hand may not be for you, and that's okay. Shouting hallelujah may not be for you, and that's okay. Just be authentic. Be who you are. But don't hold anything in reserve. We should never hold anything in reserve. When we praise God, they did it daily, praising God. And as they praised God, the Bible says they had favor with all the people. In John's Gospel, chapter 4, we looked at that passage some time ago. Jesus met up with the woman at the well. And in that evangelism encounter, they had this conversation. And you wouldn't really anticipate it, but they had a conversation of all things about worship. And just to very quickly take you back to that, remember what we we looked at together. Jesus said that God is looking for people to worship Him. Do you know that today? God is looking. He's gazing out. He's trying to identify people to worship Him. But Jesus described what He's looking for. He's looking for people who will worship Him in spirit and in truth. In spirit, again, means that our spirit, and that's really who we are. I told you before, but listen one more time. We are spirits who possess souls. And right now for this journey, we're living in a body. So, we are spiritual with a soul that has emotions, and right now all of that is locked into a human body. So, spiritual worship is when our spirit connects with His spirit because God is spirit, the Bible says, through the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's spiritual worship. And that can look one way for you and look a different way for me. I get a little expressive sometimes in my worship. If if you don't, it's okay. Be who you be. Be yourself. But be who you are in a way that doesn't hold anything back from God. In spirit, And in truth, you understand the truth part. We worship the God that Scripture reveals. And we worship Him scripturally. We worship Him in spirit and in truth. Six purposes. That's who we are. That's what we're to do. We can't miss it. You know, so many leaders in churches and so many churches get bogged down in vision and mission and all of those things, and that's, that's, that's okay. That's a great conversation. But my friends, we already know our mission. We don't have to guess about our mission and the purposes that we're to engage that lead us to the fulfillment of that mission. Right here they are evangelism, disciple, fellowship, ministry, prayer, and worship. I want you to know those purposes because that's what we pursue. I'll tell you this, I had the great privilege of being a student of Dr. Tom Rayner. And if you don't know Dr. Rayner, you, you can just put in Tom Rayner in your search engine. You'll, you'll see all kinds of things. He's a man that God has used in a wonderful way to help the church think about health and growth. And Dr. Rayner, when I was his student, he walked into class one day and he said, remember these words and I have never forgotten them. I memorized them as he said it and I've never forgotten them. He just had a way of putting things. He said, every present dead frog must wiggle. You won't forget that now will you? You know, if you struggle to to remember the purposes of the church, just remember that little statement. Every present dead frog must wiggle. Every e evangelism. Present p prayer. Dead d discipleship. F frog fellowship. M must ministry. W. Wiggle Worship. Maybe, sassy sisters, we need some t-shirts <laughs> that say, every present dead frog must wiggle. Y'all be thinking about that. Be thinking about that. Because that's who we are. We're people commissioned by God to be all about evangelism discipleship fellowship ministry prayer and worship may i ask you this morning it's afternoon now sorry are those purposes reflected in your life in your personal life because we're we're not a building we're not a campus we're not a budget We're not a program, we're people. We're people. And either we express those purposes or they don't really get expressed here at Bible Baptist Church. And I told you next week there will be a survey, a questionnaire that I want you to take. There's going to be a series of do you questions. And I want you to be very, very honest I will take it with you, and I promise you I'll be honest. You're not going to sign your name. You're not going to put anything out. I don't want you to put any type of personal marker on that survey. I just want you to be honest. And let's ask some do you questions. Let's honestly answer them. And then we'll bring it back. We'll analyze it. It's going to tell the story of where we are among the purposes of the church. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to take those purposes, and where we're not making the mark, we're going to go to work on those areas. If you want me to help you, help me help you, okay? And we'll help one another. You'll help me as we journey together. Stand with me and bow your heads. In just a moment, I'm going to pray for you. You understand part of the invitation is to go through this corporate exercise together, and we'll talk more about that in the days ahead. But maybe this morning, personally for you, When we talked a little bit about evangelism, discipleship, any of these areas, maybe God the Holy Spirit spoke to your heart and said to you, you're not just exactly where the Lord would want you to be. The great privilege for you is today you can be there. You don't have to be where you are. You can be where God wants you to be. If you couldn't go to where God wants you to go... He would not tell you to go there. And so this morning, if you need to come and pray, if you need to come and ask the Lord to come into your heart, to be your Savior, agreeing with Him about the sin that's in your life, asking for His forgiveness, repenting of that sin, believing in Him by faith, if you need to do that, would you come and do that today? If you need to join Bible Baptist Church, we want you to do that. We want you here. We want you in this fellowship. We want you serving the Lord with us. Would you come today? Whatever need you might have, if God is laying it on your heart to make a public decision, would you come in just a moment? We're going to be very brief. We're going to sing one stanza of this hymn of invitation. And if you need to come, just step out and come. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit who moves in and around us and who is in our hearts. Help us to be obedient today. In Jesus' name, amen.